Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers. I'll be bringing the message today again out of the book of Revelation as we enter chapter 18. Uh, well, actually, we've been in chapter 18. We hope to finish chapter 18 today. And so uh, I draw your attention to chapter 18 of the book of Revelation, beginning in verse 8. I just want to touch on a few verses. I hope to finish this chapter. So if you'll uh, get a copy of the Word of God yourself and want to follow along, please do. I'll be beginning in verse 8 of Revelation chapter 18, where the Word of God begins like this, reads like this. Verse 8, for this reason, in one day her plagues will come. Pestilence and mourning and famine shall be, she shall be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and live sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, uh, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour judgment has come. And then we find that the cargo was all listed out here as it will be no more. And then verse 14, The fruit you have longed for is gone from you. Those things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you, and men will no longer find them. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning. So we see a lot of weeping and mourning here. We don't see any repentance, but we do see weeping and mourning over luxuries. Uh, remember now, the spirit of uh, Babylon, which we saw last time and the time before that, is being dropped over into this part of the world, which is uh, where supposedly now the new Babylon is being built is that the same? I, I don't know. There's just a lot of confusion there. It's not being covered much in the news media. And so we really just don't know. But I do know that it's interesting enough in our contemporary time that the city of Babylon is being rebuilt. It's been being talked about since 1988. Articles came out as early as 1990, and then it went silent. You didn't hear anything. I, you couldn't even find anything uh, from from uh, really about 1990 to 2002, and then it it came out a few articles. Or there was a book, a couple of books were written. Uh, I know Charles Dyer uh, had a book written uh, called The Rise of Babylon, and there's been others that have written about it. <clears throat> New York Times has done a couple of articles, but after 2002. Uh, it began to just kind of sprinkle through other parts of the world's news, never in America, I think very little in America that I can find. Uh, some has been written, but if you really want to know anything about it, you, you, you get outside the news, that's uh, the mainstream news here in America, and you can find things written. But in 2012, it began to be more and more, uh, and we read about, uh, in fact, some, art some articles even carry the the fact that Saddam Hussein in his passion to be the modern Nebuchadnezzar, who was the original ruler of the Babylonian Empire, uh, had a desire to be what Nebuchadnezzar was. And what was Nebuchadnezzar? Well, to redemptive history, Nebuchadnezzar is known as the destroyer of Israel. And so that has really been the driving force here behind Saddam Hussein and really what will probably be in, in, in the modern uh, 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 Babylon the Great. Uh, here is as part of a desire. He is part of a desire to fulfill a modern-day role of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, this article was written in 2012. Says rebuilding the symbol of the ancient power of Nebuchadnezzar, namely the city of Babylon. And it says that Saddam Hussein is symbolic 
a center of the anticipated world empire. And then you find uh, other articles, but then it goes uh, silent again. You find things written uh, as late as 2014. 2022 came out uh, that has been talking about the rebuilding of the Tower of Babel. Uh, in fact, uh, it, our people have already been uh, changed and I mean uh, arranged to uh, start that building. Uh, it's just there, there's a lot there. It's behind the scenes. And, and I guess I'm saying it because to say that this is that newly built Babylon, I, I, I just can't say definitively. I know no one can say it definitively. Even Amir uh, that I read, I've read everything he's done and uh, to keep up with some of his conferences. Uh, he says it's going to be the hub of operations for the Antichrist during his reign on earth during the tribulation period, especially during the last three and a half years. That will be the center or the capital of the world. Now, that can be, and that may be. Uh, but uh, judgment is here, talking about Babylon, and whether it's that one or not, I don't know. I just know that all through the years of me studying prophecy that date back to uh, early, I mean, late 70s, through through uh, Bible College, through uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, and then in ministry ever since then, uh, I have always looked at this passage and read about this passage as being possibly the United States in prophecy. And I know that's always a question. I get it constantly. Is the United States named in prophecy other than just being part of the many nations or all of the nations that are that it says in many different places of Scripture. Well, I don't think it's uh, hard to say that the United States is not named in prophecy. And of course, the more I see our our world today and uh, the America that I'm living in right now, and the one you're living in, uh, we are becoming weak, passive. Uh, I, I, words cannot even describe the way America is falling so fast. And it's changing so dramatically. Where else would you have, and would you have ever imagined, even as little as 20 years ago, 10 years ago, discussing whether or not a man and a woman are different, whether or not a child is a child uh, of, of a certain sex, and that there's only two sexes. Where would you discuss this? Uh, where would you even dream that this would be discussed or versed in uh, American schools or news you you wouldn't and yet we we find this and where else would you find so many things that are happening in our world today uh we're being controlled we're being manipulated and it is a very evil uh world out there and it, this is amazing so when i read this it sounds like the united states doesn't it i know you see it because I, so many people ask me, how come it doesn't say United States? And it says Babylon. And then in verse 10, whoa, whoa, the great city. It refers to it as a city. Uh, in one hour, your judgment has come. Well, I don't know. Other than the fact that maybe this is referring to a spirit, a Babylonian spirit. We know that that spirit is two things specifically in relation to 17 and 18 of Revelation. That specifically, it is an evil spirit. And the second is that, the first is it is an evil spirit. The second is it is a very materialistic spirit. And you find both of those predominant throughout all of Revelation chapter 18. The evil that is going to be 
uh, in those those days. In fact, I was telling somebody on the phone here just earlier before I, I got into the scripture that the tribulation can be described as a very, very demonic time for seven years on this earth. It's not going to be the, the, the kind of place you want to live, whether it be America or any other place. It's going to be so filled with demonism. I mean, you look at uh, so many places we've looked at through the scriptures. Uh, just if, if you had time just to go back and look and read just Revelation chapter 9, you see the fifth angel sounds and, and man, the, the bottomless pit opens up and it just pours out demons upon this planet. Millions and millions. And then you find in verse 13 of chapter 9, uh, uh, the sixth angel trumpet releases four angels who who had bound at the great river Euphrates uh, demons. Mark two hundred million demons released that have been bound since uh, since before the flood. They have been bound, and so you look at the demonic activity. You know it was a, a lot going on during the time of Christ incarnation, walking among this earth. But I think it's going to be even more and more. Because remember now, in chapter 12 of Revelation, Satan has been kicked out of heaven and restricted only to the earth. And all of his host of demons are right here on this planet uh, doing and creating havoc. And remember again, the restrainer, uh, that the Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 through 11 talks about, will be removed and there will not be a restraint of evil. And so that is going to be uh, something. So you look at this world and you see it doesn't really matter whether this is United States or not. Uh, I mean, the United States, sure, it fits here. Uh, but I tell you what, the world is drastically changing. Uh, who would have ever thought, well, America would drop this fast? From one president ago to this presidency, it has changed dramatically. And I think it's changing almost every day. News is hard to watch if you can stomach any of it. Doesn't matter which station either. It's all just a, a, a hodgepodge of just evil run amok. It's, uh, it's something. And so you look at this and you think, is this United States in prophecy? Well, it very well could be. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be around enough to say, well, I told you so. Or you're not going to be around probably if you're a believer. Because the rapture will have happened at this time. It will already have happened years before. And the world will be left to the demonic destruction and the evil that is going to be uh, everywhere. So you look at this and you think, well, it really doesn't matter. Is it the new Babylon? Is it the one that Saddam Hussein is starting to build right there at the Euphrates River? You wasn't sure it appears to be. But I can't say definitively it is or it is not. But I do want to look at these verses, verses 9 and following, and see what we, we see here. You first find some lamenting over the destruction of this. In fact, this is referencing verse 8. For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence, mourning, famine. She will be burned up with fire for the Lord God who judges her is strong. This is talking about that judgment. Verse 8 is talking about God is the one judging this. God is the one bringing destruction. God is the one destroying the system, whether it's the Babylonian system, whether it's the religion, whether it's the commerce, whether it's the, the business, the world economics. All of it is wrapped up here. 
And so I think it's going to affect everyone because we know chronologically when we got to verse chapter 16 that chronologically in the Bible we had gone as far as we could go. Chapter 17 and 18 are basically looking back at the kingdom of the, the Satan and uh, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet from different points of view, from the religious side and then from the business to the political side. And so 17 was the religious side. Now chapter 18 is the, the political side. And you, you so chronologically you see in chapter 16 that uh, it, it's after 16 you pick up in chapter 19 with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it becomes very difficult chronologically to lay this out. And that confuses people. I've had so many people tell me they just don't read Revelation 17 and 18 because they can't understand it, where it fits in, and what, what, how come it's talking about these things in the order that it talks, talks about them. Well, I, I can't say one way or the other except that this is the way God gave it to us. Uh, deal with it. Uh, that's the way I look at it. I mean, this is what he gave us. Be thankful he's given us anything. We don't have to. He didn't have to give us any of Revelation. And so you look at this and you find lamenting. But I want you to notice a few things over this. They cry over their sin, but, but and, and, and they cry over the loss of their city. Uh, they wouldn't mourn over their iniquity through, uh, through God gave them ample opportunity. God warned them and warned them and warned them. We've seen it, 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 the chronological order here from what we know in Revelation up to this point, where this will probably be, which is at the end before Christ comes, man, we've seen warning after warning. The gospel has gone out over and over and over again, and people still refuse to believe. It's amazing. But when their cry goes, which is the hub and the core of the sort of the city, uh, sort of the focal point, the brains of the world empire, then they mourn, boy, then, because that affects their pocketbook. But you, let's look at this. It says in verse 9, the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality, who lived sensuously with her. Is this the Babylon? Well, I tell you what, if it is the rebuilt Babylon, between now and when that will be, which would be approximately, if it's from right now, seven years, because I think we're so close to the rapture right now that you could almost say seven years from now, this is actually going to be happening. But the kings of the earth who committed and lived sensuously with her, is that Babylon? Well, if that's the new Babylon that's being built over there right now, boy, a lot of change has to happen. I mean, there has to be a world focus, a world attention uh, centrality of power shift in America. And of course, it is happening right now. And whether it's going there or not, I don't know. But you remember now, Babylon is, is, is 60 miles south of Baghdad. Iraq is what we're talking about. That's where we're talking about. We're talking about a, a very rich place, part of the world. But we meet these kings and the leaders of the world you remember now, there's one world empire at this time. The Antichrist is ruling. In Babylon, it's the heart and soul, possibly, or the capital city, the core or the brains of that world empire. And you find other rulers there. You remember, uh, we've, we've looked at this in 17, where the ten kings, especially identified, were likely regions of the earth, and how the earth will be divided up. Well, you know, that can actually happen very fast. Uh, we do see the world being positioned differently now than it was 25 years ago. But still, I always say it doesn't matter what's being uh, 
proportioned out or how we're falling or what's Russia doing or Turkey or all these. Keep your eyes still on Israel. And then this, as long as Babylon was intact, you know, people, they felt comfortable. And again, I mention this because it's amazing with all of the judgments that we've seen in tribulation, how anything could have any meaning or purpose as far as business or commerce in any way. So it is amazing to see that it has continued somewhat limited, I'm sure, and then you find all of this that is happening. So, but but look at look at look at this in in, in Revelation chapter eighteen. I don't want to lose place of where we are. Uh, but they lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning. So wherever they are, they see the smoke of her burning. Does that mean they see it from where they actually are? Well, yes, it does. But they can see it by way of satellite or television or cell phones. That's the way they see it. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to be close enough to see it. But perhaps it can mean whatever it needs to mean at that point. They don't want to get near it because of the fear of her torments. This indicates, now mark this, that this actually is a place. It actually is a city. It's not just a spirit of Babylon poured upon a world because people are watching this. And so it speaks to the fact that a geographically located place is going to get this judgment. The city burns, and as it burns, they realize this is a preview of what is to come. And of course, if we take this back to Revelation 16, we see it's really the end. They're not going to have much time to even think about this. Uh, back in 16, verse 19, the seventh bowl, Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of his fierce wrath. It's mentioned there. And perhaps this is what that's talking about. Every island fled away and mountains were not found. That's not the city then. It's the whole system goes. But then there's the reshaping of the world globe. Basically what you see in, in Revelation 16, in the end of that whole section, is the world getting ready for the, the millennium. And so this is all part of that. This is all moving in that direction. And it shows us that, boy, God is still sovereign and he is still reigning. He's in control. Satan is not in control. His empire is falling. His empire is being judged and people see it. Then what are they going to believe it to be? Well, we don't know. But the kings and their armies probably uh, see this. Perhaps they're on the way to Armageddon when they see this. I mean, after all, Revelation 16 talks about demons bringing forth the armies of the world together just uh, in the Valley of Megiddo to fight the Battle of Armageddon. And how did they get there? What trickery, deception. They're coming, and perhaps as they're coming, they see the destruction of Babylon. So they're staying away, especially if it is in, the, uh, in Iraq. They're, they're, they're distanced from that. But it says this is a strong city. What, what, how, what does that mean? Well, it's withstood all of the tribulation period till now at the end. Now, I would call that city is strong, but it's going to be destroyed. And then it mentions in verse 11, the merchants and the businessmen of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. The, uh, the salesmen will go berserk because nobody buys anything. And so they begin to join the weeping and weep and mourn over her. Purely monetary. They can't meet their quota. They can't sell their stuff. They're really upset because business is going so bad. And, and you look at this and you think, well, 
That would be bad, but it's not near as bad as what it, it would be. I mean, it doesn't have to be this bad is what I'm trying to say. Uh, if they would just find weeping and mourning over their own sin and not weeping and mourning over the fact that their wallets are going to be hurting. You find this same kind of talk in the Old Testament. Uh, you find words here. Now, now this is the grocery list of, of words in the cargo in verses 12 and 13. Uh, uh, but it, John lists 28 categories of stuff. Frankly, there's nothing here to cry about. As, uh, as, as one writer puts it, Donald Gray Barnhouse lists, he says 14 in verse 12, 14 in verse 13, and he says, I'm not going to take you through a word study of either one of these or, or even make uh, any kind of a reference to it. And so he, he pretty much skips it. But but you can find this, uh, like for example, verse 12, we understand that is still a major issue in a major commodity, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, that, by the way, the term linen most likely refers to a costly Egyptian cotton. And you can go through here and you can see similarities of things. Uh, the, the scarlet, some kind of colored garment and every kind of a citron uh, wood. That wood, citron wood, to give you a little idea, it's a North African wood that came from a citrus tree and is valued uh, very much, very high. Uh, very valued uh, primarily because of its color. It used to be inlaid on doors and pieces of furniture, very costly wood, uh, things like ivory, special kinds of costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, everything that those things would be constructed, that's furniture. Every article made from those things and the wood and the inlaid woods and the bronze and the iron and the marble, this is the ec economy of the world is, it's talking about here. Now, you know what it tells us? that uh, in spite of the sealed judgments, in spite of the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments, up to now it's been, and this is hard to say this, but it, it seems as though it's been business as usual. Isn't it amazing? All this going on that we've covered up to this point. Now that will tell you something about the human ingenuity, uh, wouldn't it? Uh, that in a collapsing world, some businesses can still keep going. Absolutely incredible. But let's get back to some of these words. Verse 13, cinnamon. That perhaps is a different than what we know as cinnamon today, perhaps a little different kind of spice. Uh, whatever cinnamon it is, there's a mention of cinnamon in Exodus 30, uh, verse 23. It used to be a reference to holy oil in Proverbs 7, 17. Uh, it's used in cosmetics. Spice is a fragrant plant used for perfume. So we, we again, we find all of these things listed Wine, olive oil, we understand, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, cargoes of horses, chariots. And you're ready for this? This world means uh, it, uh, uh, horses and chariots. It, it's a word that means four-wheeled wagons, probably uh, obviously a reference to cars or SUVs or whatever it is, maybe a forerunner like mine. And then it adds slaves in human lives. You think, wow, you think the world would be over that by now? selling and slavery, but it's going to get worse. It's going to go back to that in full force. You think the world was through with that, but it's not. Nobody is buying their slaves anymore. It may be that it's talking about the employment issue uh, when nobody's hiring, but it seems more than that. It seems that one of the ways this anti-Christ system, economic system, is going to survive in the end, and then you guessed it, it's going to be slave labor. 
wouldn't be hard to accomplish in a satanically controlled dictatorship, would it? You either work or you be killed. That's how you get slave labor to, slave labor to be successful. Is like that. That's the way that. That's the only way it would work. It wouldn't work in our modern day world without that now. Uh, so you, you you see this, and then but Donald Gray Barnhouse brings up an interesting point. I, I I've referenced him already. He talks about the interesting union of merchants or business with the government, and uh, which was which was would have been a strange thing to have had in its day. But business and government coming together, well, we're seeing that right now. We've been seeing that since the 90s. More and more businesses and government coming together to accomplish a task. We've seen it now in how they can control an election. How they can uh, override the voters of America and bring in whoever they want to as a president. With the help of businesses, social media, or whoever they want to use. We've seen that. In verse 14, and the fruit you long for is gone from you. All possessions or luxuries, all the wealth you've lusted, that's the word, has gone from you. In other words, it means you have been stripped of it. God bankrupts the system. Once Babylon is destroyed, uh, it is going to uh, just take, it, it, will, it will finish out everything in the world, actually. All things that were luxury, splendid, have passed away from you. Men will no longer find them. And really, it's saying gone, and gone how long? Forever. And then verse 15, the merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance. We've seen that now three times already in this chapter. Because of the fear of the torment, weeping and mourning, these merchants join the kings. They stand at a distance. They start their weeping now. And they're never going to stop weeping because these are unbelievers and they're going to weep all the way through eternity. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is the way that judgment is pronounced and judged and uh, listed in the scriptures. Because their possessions can't be satisfied anymore, so they weep. And they will weep. They'll weep their way into hell forever because their passions can't satisfy anymore. They can't, it can't even help them. So we find the leaders here, we find the merchants. And, and again, now remember, the gospel has been preached. It's not like these people haven't been warned. The gospel has been preached over and over again. They will weep and lament. Verse 17, uh, and we, we see this. In fact, look at verse 17 just briefly. For in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste, and every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor, as many as make their living on the sea, stood at a distance. And here again, they're, they're weeping, and they're seeing something uh, they're seeing destruction. Is it, is it just they see their pocketbook or they fear that it's going to come upon them? I don't know. Uh, I get asked so many questions on this, but, you know, we just can't be too definitive when God gives us this. Uh, we can be thankful that God gives us to us, but he doesn't give it to us in the kind of detail and written that we would like to see. So, we, we look at this in verse 18, the crying continues, the weeping goes, but then look at verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. God has pronounced judgment for you against her. There's been no repentance here on the earth. The judgment has been, uh, uh, it is a, a judgment actually enjoy verse 20 rejoice over her O heaven 
The angel speaks again, the same angel who stood speaking back in verse 4. Rejoice over her, O heaven. Rejoice, you saints, apostles and prophets, you missionaries, you preachers who got martyred, are pictured back in chapter 6 and verse 9 through 11. And all you saints, all you rejoice because God has pronounced judgment against her. He promised vindication. He promised retribution. He promised vengeance for you. This is for you. The time of your pain is over. And you think, wow, that's kind of an unusual thing. How can they rejoice when these people are going to be damned to hell? They can rejoice because righteousness triumphs, because Christ is exalted, because the kingdom is coming. Christ is about to bust through the heavens onto the earth. And the people damned to hell with all their power and all their will and the expressions of their heart made their choice against every conceivable warning. That's how. They've had the gospel almost rammed down their throat and they still refuse. So if you're a Christian, you understand that because the Lord has endured humiliation long enough and so have his people. And so I'm going to stop right there because my time is getting short. And I just want to remind you that to keep reading, we're going to pick up in, in verse 21 next time and actually chapter 19. And if you get a chance, I want you to just read Jeremiah 51. And you, I think you'll see some parallels to that with this particular passage. But I conclude with this, that uh, this is a, a difficult passage. It's one to hard to put into, into a chronological order. But it is true. It is God's word. And it is coming. Look up for your redemption draws near.